fun fact for you. I, uh, I like to, to gain more knowledge, and sometimes I, I, I watch things on TV and, and uh, adds to the limited knowledge I have. But I just happened to be uh, uh, talking with my wife one day and this week, and, and uh, she alerted me to some information that was on uh, Facebook. And uh, of course, you can believe everything you, you see on Facebook, right? <laughs> and there's a whole lot of knowledge to be gained from there. But something I thought was uh, really important and, and you know, probably most churches, you won't get to hear this kind of stuff. So be thankful and appreciative of adding to your knowledge today. You ready for this? Yeah. I, I don't think you are. So according to a new British study, passing gas may help you live longer. And in a surprise twist, smelling gas might prevent dementia. Researchers found that when you pass wind, you're helping yourself uh, to live longer by lowering your risk of cancer, heart attacks, and strokes. And the main ingredient in it is hydrogen sulfate. Researchers believe inhaling it actually causes your brain to grow stronger and protects your brain from dementia. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you were ready for that, right? I'm telling you what, my wife, my wife is going to live to be about 150. And there is no chance that I'm ever going to lose my mind or not be able to think clearly or remember things. She's taking care of that for me. Thank you, baby. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time just to pray to get us started, get us past that right there. Pass, P-A-S-T, not pass. I'm, I'm going to get us past that and uh, back into the presence of God that the worship team so wonderfully led us into and I took us out of. Bow your heads with me. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're right here with us today, loving on us, just blessing us with your presence. I thank you for the encouragement that we receive from you through the words spoken here today, through the, the music and the songs that we sang to you, continue to fill our lives with your goodness and let us see you in the, in the midst of the dark times. Let us see you in the brightest of sunshine. May you be glorified always in us. Father, as we take this time now to just to be friendly with one another, to uh, you know, give to the ministry that is done here. Uh, help us to know and understand and always remember that we, we can't give you anything you need. We just have an opportunity to give that we receive blessings from you and we can bless others. We thank you for this and look forward to what you've got for us all the rest of the time today. In Jesus' name, amen. So with that said, uh, there's a box back there. If you all want to give to what Dave and I do here normally, uh, 
you have to forgive it a little bit for me being here today, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll take some time and just uh, uh, chill a little bit, and then I'm going to ask my buddy Cole Rourke to come up and talk to us. So feel free to give, and the kids are dismissed if they aren't already gone. <laughs> All right. This guy right here is uh, Cole Rourke. He's uh, a Rala guy from, now he's gone on over the dark side and he's over in Licking. Uh, but he's uh, a Rala guy. Uh, he and my son came through school together. You guys were 2011 guys, I think? 2012. Yeah, thank you. We're, uh-oh. <laughs> Come on, Cindy, where you at? <laughs> uh, 2012 guys, and, and this guy, um, he, as you can see, he was an athlete, and uh, still is, actually, he's young enough to still be one. Uh, he is a, a guy that I just, uh, when I met him, I think he was, you know, probably 15 years old, 14, something like that, and instantly uh, there was something that just attracted me to him. Uh, probably his honoriness and meanness, because I, you know, I was, had a little bit of that in me uh, when I was younger, but um, this guy, not now, right, babe? Now I'm good? Yeah. Uh, but this guy right here, um, I, I just love what I've seen in him. Um, as he's going to tell you here in a minute, he's going to just kind of give you his story. And um, the thing I like is, you know, um, it's not just athletes, but because we both kind of walked a little bit of the same path in that respect, um, I know what he has gone through. Um, he's gone through so much more than me, but uh, it seems like for guys and athletes, it's challenging for us to become vulnerable, uh, humble ourselves, um, to maybe get away from uh, doing the cool thing or being cool or, you know, whatever. And uh, to actually understanding that we need Jesus. And um, man, I just, uh, I can't wait to hear what he's got. To, I, I got to talk to him recently and I asked him to come and uh, speak during the same time. And uh, so give it up for Cole Rourke. I get to speak into the microphone I got to hold. Coach needed the earpiece for his fart jokes, I guess. I don't know. So. Sweet. Uh, yeah, like Coach said, uh, I'm Cole, and I'm 23 years old. Uh, I'm an assistant baseball coach at Licking. Hopefully full-time teacher for the next year. Um, just kind of waiting on a position to open up. So pray for that, if you would. Uh, uh, yeah, when I came... To Rolla. Um, I came right in the middle of Christmas break and basketball had already been rolling. Mike and the boys were all playing freshman basketball at the junior high and I lived right across the street. And uh, I came in and they were uh, pretty good, um, all of them. I didn't think I'd, you know, make it coming in the middle of the year. And then I did. Um, I was like the 13th man when I 
first started, well, see, they had these uniforms, and they only had 12 of them. So they dug some up out of the supply closet, and I had, like, the 1985 <laughs> white shorts, and they were yellow. They weren't white anymore, just sweat-stained and, and rough. Um, but those guys were really good. I did get to play a little bit. Um, they went, what, 16-0, and 0, something crazy, something undefeated. We got a banner, so check it out. Um, so yeah, uh, we're yeah, we're humble now. <laughs> I just had to get a little roll of pride out of the way, you know, bulldog stuff. Um, but I didn't, I didn't come to Rolla until my freshman year. Like I said, I was born in Wyoming. Um, it's a real state. Some of you might not believe that, but it's out there, and it's really cold and it's really windy, and there's not a lot of people. Um, so I was born there, and then we moved around a ton. Uh, my mom had me when she was in college. Uh, she married another guy when I was about two, and he became my dad. And I call him dad um, just because that's all I ever knew. So we moved around a ton. Uh, by the time that I got to Rolla, which was my last school, I did graduate from there, uh, Rolla was my 15th school. Um, yeah, so. That's tough, and it's hard on, on any kid. Um, I had two younger sisters. It was hard on them. Um, but you learn a few things pretty quickly. So you know that if you go in and you kind of act cool, confident, um, like you're not really impressed by anything, you're going to have friends, like, right away. Okay? Because you're mysterious. You're the new person. Right? Um, so I was pretty good at that. I was pretty good at... at just being up for, for whatever and, and pretending. And so when I came to Rolla, um, it was the biggest school that I'd ever attended, um, even though I had to go back to a junior high. That wasn't cool, but I think they've rectified that since then. So uh, it was a little different, but once we got here, I lived in a, a little house right across from the junior high. Um, my mom and dad and my sisters and my dad didn't have a job when we came here. He just kind of uprooted and came. He was from Winona down in Shannon County. That's where he grew up. And uh, my mom had never lived in Missouri before, and we were pretty far away from any family. Um, so it was kind of a self-contained unit, and we had a lot of time to spend with each other. Um, and my dad had an extra amount of time to spend because he wasn't working. Uh, my mom wasn't working. And... What he decided to do to go ahead and make money is he got involved with some people and uh, began to to cook meth and, and sell drugs and, and do the whole thing. And uh, it's not like he just fell in. I mean, he'd been a, kind of a rough guy before. That's kind of what his past held. Um, some illegal things were probably why we were moving around so much to begin with. So uh, he goes with all that. Well... Uh, you know, as a kid, I was 14, um, and you start to realize those things and, and what's going on and him being strung out and, and being angry and being violent. Um, first, it was violence towards my mom. Then I was involved, um, you know, taking on that protector role for my sisters and, and mother. And uh, it was just tough. So you're, you're trying to go to school and do all the things that are important to a 14, 15-year-old boy. Um, and then you're coming home, and it's, you know, WWE in the, in the kitchen, and it's tough, really hard. And I had a hard time 
separating things. Um, it just began to kind of take over my life, and it just was rough. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. And everybody's got a got a story and has challenges, and and that was my challenge was was figuring out a way to balance all that. So we go through freshman year, and I play baseball. I'm a baseball guy. Basketball is not the not my calling, um, but baseball is, and uh, I loved it. So I was I was really amped up about it. And that summer, summer's the best time. It's better than the spring season in high school because it's always cold like now. Um, the summer's awesome, and you're gone all the time. And I was so excited for that summer because I was going to be gone all the time. Um, but it didn't get better. You were just gone for a couple days and then you come home, and it's worse. And the whole time you're gone, you're worried about your mom and your sisters and, and what's going on and um, tough stuff. So by the time I started school my sophomore year, uh, was not in a good place. Um, I didn't really want to think of it as a depression, um, but I was. I couldn't find any enjoyment in anything. Um, I began to be angry all the time. Um, I just did some things that weren't smart. Um, not, not in the way that I was out running around and, and drinking and things, because I knew that I had one one gift, and that was to play baseball. So I didn't want to screw that up. But uh, I was completely okay with getting kicked out of class all the time, going to the principal's office. Um, kind of a wild child, kind of a polarizing figure. Um, I think a lot of teachers either felt like, "Oh, we better, you know, get in there and, and help fix this kid and, and be good to him," and some of them were just like, "I've taught for long enough. I don't need to deal with this." And uh, so I was either someone's favorite or someone's least favorite. And nothing mattered, and I couldn't think of other people. And uh, I got in a, a, some trouble at school and went over my days of attendance. So I had to go to credit recovery at the RTI and, and work hard to be able to play for that spring. And I didn't get to come out and play basketball because of that. I didn't get to play for Coach Miller. Um, that was tough, but, again, I just almost didn't care at all. Um, so I get through that year, and it's a rough one. Um, and this whole time, I've never been in a church. I've never cared. Uh, my view of Christianity, I shamefully, you know, I can admit that I was like, well, okay, you guys are all pretty dumb to listen to some wizard guy in the sky that somehow impacts you. And that's how I felt at the time. I mean, I just could brush it off because what did what had God ever done for me? That was my thought process. And um, There were kids and teachers and coaches around me that, I, that were living it, but my heart was so hardened, my ears were closed, and I just I couldn't and wouldn't uh, listen. So that summer, after my sophomore year, I uh, had a buddy, and he was dating a gal from the dark side licking, and... Uh, he, you know, said, hey, we're going to go down to the river and, and hang out, and I hopped in, I was ready to go, and uh, we ended up at a, at a friend's house, and he called this girl over, um, who I'd never met before, never heard of, and she comes over, she's now my wife, she's over there, and uh, she's pregnant now, too, we ended up getting married, so I'll fast forward to that part. End of May, we'll have a, a little girl, so I'm really excited about that. But, uh, yeah, so she comes over, and um, 
I don't know why God called her to even give me a chance because I had this mohawk and just a wild child. I'm serious. And uh, first time I met her mom, who's also over there, at a mohawk. Um, who knows how that all worked out, but it did. And what I began to understand was that this family, okay, this lifestyle that I had bashed on for so long that I just brushed aside like it didn't matter, these people were living it, okay? They were Christians, and you could just, you could see it, and it was different. And for some reason, I was okay with giving that a chance, and I was ashamed and scared um, and all kinds of things, but I knew it was a good thing, and I knew that I needed to move that way. Now, I didn't immediately start going to church or um, reading the Bible or anything like that. I just, you know, okay, these are good people. I'm going to try to act better. Then um, Megan's mom, she got me a Bible for Christmas, and I put it on a shelf and never looked at it. Didn't care because I just was invested in this girl. I liked her family. Um, everything was different when I went there. So I was trying to find any way I could to go to Licking and, and see that girl or get her to come up here and... Um, so I just kept going. Eventually, I decided I'll go check church out. I'll see what it's about. If I'm there on a Sunday, that means I get Sunday afternoon before I have to go back. So it all works out. Um, and I went there, and I sat there and tried to stay awake and didn't do a great job of it sometimes. And over time, uh, I started, I don't know if it was just getting beat on me so much that it finally started to find its way through, but... I started to think about it and uh, started to ask some questions and started to open that Bible that I'd thrown on the shelf, you know, six months prior. And uh, eventually it started to make an impact. Now, while all that's going on, me finding my way into church, me getting there, nothing is getting better at home. If anything, it's getting worse. Okay? Uh, Dad's been arrested. Mom's been in a psych ward. I had about two months where I had... Uh, a couple younger sisters that there were no parents there, um, nobody to buy food or take them to school or do any of that, and I knew that I didn't want anybody to find that out, so uh, you know, I just lied and stole food um, so that we could eat, and it was it was tough, um, but I didn't want anybody to know. And we got through it, and I don't know how. By the grace of God is how, um, but at the time wasn't real sure of that. But eventually, one night when my parents were, were both back in the house and they were fighting and being crazy and I'm in my room and finally just realized I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't just live this way. Um, got Megan on the phone and, and was asking all these questions. How do, how do I get saved? You guys talk about that a lot, but how do I do it? Um, you know, what do I need to do? I'd hang up and, and read the Bible and cry and call her back and hang up again, and it was just a wild ride. But I needed help, and I was looking for the right help finally. And uh, I prayed and, and got saved, and I thought, man, this will be perfect because now I've got this, this magic shield, and I'm good. And uh, it didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, it was still hard. It was still rough, and nothing changed immediately except for I started to realize that I don't have to do all of this by myself anymore. Um, I've got somewhere that I can take my problems. Okay, I can, I can nail them on a cross and 
man, I had to change some things about who I was, and I started to feel that shame and conviction and realize what I'd been doing to myself. And uh, in, in that regard, I got it got better. And I got through and graduated from high school, which I don't know how, okay? I, by doing the bare minimum is how and, and sliding by. Man. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. If I had the, the headset, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, somehow uh, graduated high school. And I had an opportunity to continue to play baseball, which was a gift that, that God had given me. He'd given me a pretty good right arm and I was able to use that and, and go to college, which is amazing out of, out of that. Um, so I go, and uh, Megan had already been attending SBU, and that's where I was going to go. And um, I wasn't going to have to pay any money to be there at college and play. And it was good. I'd gotten away from it. I'd gotten out. Right? I'd escaped. Um, still had two sisters there, but um, I kind of assumed, you know, if I'm not there, it won't exacerbate the problem and do those things that uh, that made things hard for him. Uh, so I went to SBU and tried to work on being this new person because I wasn't this uh, shameful, I always called my, you know, white trash kid is what I, what I call myself a lot. Because um, that's what it felt like. And there wasn't a better way for me to describe that. Um, so I, I was new, I was remade, okay, almost like when I got saved that night. And just loved it. Just loved SBU. Um, loved going to class. Loved going to chapel. Loved the ball team. Um, everything was great. And I thought um, I'd found this home. And I was a good enough player that the, the next step for me was going to be getting paid to play. I mean, that's, that's really what it was going to be. And it wasn't um, – that's not a pride thing. It's just, honestly, I'd been told I'd, I'd – seen the guys around me and I knew that that's what I was going to do. I was going to play on and get paid. And uh, then at SBU, I just got in a, in a situation where we didn't have a lot of, a lot of guys that could pitch well and got thrown a lot and I was frustrated because it just wasn't working out the way that I'd planned it. And, uh, but I realized, you know, I like this place a lot. Maybe I'll just come back and coach here and I'll just not worry about the playing, which was hard to do. It's hard to Say, well, maybe it won't work out the way you want it to. Um, so I had an event that happened, and it was kind of wild, but I got pushed out of SBU. I, I left, and I wasn't planning on it, but I left. Uh, we, Me and Megan, being we, got to go down to Florida, and I had another shot. I was going to get drafted, and I was going to do this, and awesome. So fast forward to that next June, which is when the draft happens. Um, I'm really sure. I told my now AD at Licking, I said, hey, I'd like to help you guys this summer, but I'm probably going to leave. I mean, I'm probably going to get drafted and, and be gone. So I was that confident in it. And then that didn't happen. Um, you know, it just it just didn't. Um, and I was rocked by that. I thought, God, what are you doing? Okay, I've paid my dues. I've done everything. I've done more than other people can and do and should have to do. And I was angry. And it was hard. Um, but... And it's a theme through the whole thing. God had his hand on me 
the whole time. So, not that he took it away from me, but by helping me realize that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, so what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and I strongly believe that, is is being in high school and work with young kids, um, kind of like I was, that need help. Um, I get to coach and still be around the game, and that's wonderful because it's one thing that I know really, really well, and uh, there's not much else. Coach knows, um, you know, limited knowledge and how to work on Facebook and basketball, and I'm not even sure I've got the Facebook stuff down, but I know baseball, and uh, I know kids, and I love working with them. Um, so, kind of, if you wanted to, to section it and tie it up in a neat little bow, my story, which is still ongoing, and I love to tell it. Um, in the first part, I had a false father. Um, I was looking for a father and things that it weren't right, they weren't true, they weren't the father. Um, and then as I transition and get saved, okay, I'm... I'm looking for God, and I'm searching for Him. I'm actively pursuing Him, just like He's pursuing me. Um, but as far as, as an earthly father, I didn't really have one, or I would project it in, onto a lot of people. Coaches, um, my father-in-law, um, just just searching for that and, and finding peace and comfort. And then if you, uh, the third part, like now, I'm getting to be a father pretty soon. And uh, that's pretty incredible to me. Um, I think it's the best thing I've done so far, and it hasn't even happened yet, but um, I'm excited about it, and I'm nervous and, and frightened and all those things, but I'm excited to, to be a part of a child's life from start to as far as I get to be in it, start to finish, hopefully, uh, or my finish, her start to my finish. That's a, that was a tricky one. Um, so... Searching for God and, and, and pursuing God, I had a roller coaster. I mean, I was, I was everywhere at once and, and experienced a lot of things and lived a lot of life. And I mean, I'm 23 years old, and I haven't figured it all out. Um, I never will. Um, but I know that God has me, that I'm sealed, um, that He's in my heart forever. And I don't know, there's a... There's a lot of things you want to you want to say because the Holy Spirit's moving through me right now, and I just you know there's a lot. But um, to let Coach have his chance because I know he's he's ready to go. He's got the earpiece again, so um, I'm gonna pass it off right there. And uh, but thank you guys for listening. I appreciate that. Go ahead and have a seat, buddy. Okay. I've got to tell you that uh, he, he left out a lot of stuff. Um, and some of the stuff that he's gone through uh, is just, it's amazing to me. I'll tell you that... Uh, I don't remember when it was, Cole, but uh, he and I um, sat over here at Sonic one night, and um, he was, 
he was in a bad place. And um, probably not wrong to say suicidal at that time. And um, I say that, and I tell you that only to, so that you understand God's love and his peace can take you from just the depths of pain and suffering and hurt and anguish and can pull you into him and have you coming up and talking to other people and telling about how wonderful he is. Man, I tell you, uh, 15, 15 schools. Uh, I knew we were similar. I, uh, by the time I was in sixth grade, I, I uh, was in my 13th school. And uh, it's, it's so challenging um, to be able to, when you're constantly uh, on the move, it's so challenging to uh, just feel that comfort of your environment, uh, the love. And so it just, it, it always sends me to Jesus because Jesus was on the move and he was taking that love to everybody. And yet he had that peace because he'd go to the Father. And uh, there's a, a brief video that I want to show you. Um, we, we've all got our... our uh, we want to have that place where we can go. So for some of you, it's here. For some of you, it may be the bathroom of where you work, or somebody may have a, a prayer closet at home or something like that. Um, for Jesus, uh, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane a lot. And, uh, and he got alone with the Father and uh, he had some uh, just discomfort, uh, somebody trying to shake his love, his peace. And uh, so I want to show you that video here right now, just about four or five minutes long. I tell you what, uh, you talk about one thing about an athlete. Um, not just an athlete, others, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. Cole was capable of taking care of business on that dead gum snake. And it just, the frustration, anger, aggravation, whatever, that the deceiver and the accuser messes with God's people, it just ticks me off. And so I'm so, I'm so glad when a guy like this will will come through the challenges that the deceiver and the accuser have brought against him. And he will stand through it all and point to heaven saying that God is the one that has brought me through this. God is my, my hope and my strength. You know, we all can listen to different voices, hear different things, doesn't have to be somebody speaking. It can be circumstances or whatever. It can be our past trying to talk to us. 
And we cannot give in to the accuser, to the deceiver. Because I want to tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is not somebody that is saying, you stand up on your own and you battle that devil, don't you let him get the best of you. Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is someone that says, I've done it. And I've taken care of it for you already. You don't have to look at your past and say, well, I'm not worthy of your forgiveness, God. Because you're right, you're not. But in Jesus, he has taken care of it. And he has paid the price, the ultimate price. Greater love has no man than he that would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus, thank you for loving me and for laying down your life. Because my past wants to try to speak to me. The the deceiver, the accuser, uses my past. He uses my future. He uses stuff that goes through my mind and wants me to understand that I'm not worthy. He's a liar. We are the righteousness of God in Christ because of what he's done. Not anything of what we have done. It is because of what he has done. I I think about right here where Jesus gets done praying and the soldiers are coming after him. And they come to him and his disciples decide to step up then. <laughs> they think they're going to take care of him. And, and Peter takes his sword and this guy Malchus, I, you know, man, I just, I, I, I often wonder wonder if that dude is in heaven. I, I really would like to talk to him because Malchus is one of those guys, he was right there in the front line trying to bind up Jesus. Well, he, Jesus is like, come on ahead, I'm the one you're looking for. But he's up there in the front of the line and one of Jesus' guys, Peter, takes his sword and slashes off his ear. But here's who Jesus is. Jesus takes and gives that guy a newly formed ear. Can you imagine if you're that dude there to take Jesus and turn him over? Your ear gets cut off. And then this guy who they're after, just in sheer love, (laughs) gives you a new ear. Jesus is all love, every bit of him. And so we have to understand that it's almost like with what he's done for us, it's almost like we're... You don't think of it this way, but it's almost like we're spitting on what he's done. Whenever we go ahead and allow the accuser 
to let us think that we're not worthy, that we're not right with the Father. Because it's almost like we don't give credit to Jesus. We think it's, we've got to get right. I mean, you can, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you from my own experience, I can be cooking along, maybe stay steady in the Word and um, feeling good about God and, and then my flesh, my sinful man causes, I, I just stumble, I make mistakes, sometimes on purpose. And so then I get those thoughts of, man, I got I to gotta stop this. I got to get right with God. I got That's another lie. It's deception. Jesus has already done it. I'm right. He saved me. He saved you. In the midst of your mess. And you're right. I don't care if you mess up, you feel like you need to, you've, you know, we hear stuff said about, well, you need to confess your sins, and no. This is what, what God wants us to confess our sins for, which is, it, it's great. But the reason he wants us to confess our sins is so that we're confessing to him what he has forgiven us from, all that he has forgiven us of in Jesus it doesn't have anything to do with us. All right, I confessed it to the Father. I'm, done. I'm good now. I can, I can carry on and feel good about myself. Feel good about yourself all the time because in Christ, you are right. Oh, man. I, I was going to uh, carry on and say a little bit about some of the people that Jesus ran into and, and how he treated them. But you guys, a lot of you know that Jesus hung out with me and Cole. Jesus hung out with the people that in religiosity's eyes were not right for him to hang out with. And Jesus, he, he loved the, the people that were messed up, the prostitutes, the liars. That's, that's who we've got going before the Father for us. Not somebody that's saying, hey, you need to get right, you need to come to me, and, and I'm going to take care of all this. Jesus went ahead and did it all, and then all he wants is just for our heart to click and believe. It's just going to click. We can think that we need to do the miraculous sinner's prayer, and you got to you know, get down just right on your knee and say all these things. It's, if it's something we could do, then we're taken away from what Jesus did. And Jesus has paid it all. He's not, he didn't come to condemn us. 
He came to give us life and life more abundantly. And I, man, I tell you what, the coal man is living in that abundance of life. So many of us, we understand the abundance of life. I just want to encourage you, don't let the devil get in there and deceive you, accuse you of whatever, because it takes our focus off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him and, and know what he's done for you. And I tell you what, if, it's, if you haven't heard about him before, you know, if you're here today and you, it's the first time you've heard something like this, you've always felt like, man, I got to get right. And uh, then I'm going to talk to God. Well, you're never going to get right. Jesus already made you right. Just understand that all you need to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, you are so awesome. You're so wonderful. You love us so much. You gave the best gift, your son. Perfect gift. Free from sin. And he's taken upon himself the work that's made us right with you. Thank you, Father. I ask that you would be with us. No, I thank you that you're always with us. You say you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're always with us. So help us to be mindful of that and know that you're right there with us always. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name for your love. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, thanks a lot for showing up. Uh, next week, uh, Dave and I will be back here, and uh, they'll be bringing more good news to you. Y'all take it easy. <laughs>